episode two of the Latitude podcast. My name is Lamont and I'm your host. In this episode, I interview a dynamic individual who is fast becoming a key player in the local startup ecosystem in Cape Town. But before I introduce today's guest, I just want to say a few words about what we're doing here. We here at Latitude believe in South Africa. We love the land, we love the people, we love the culture. And amongst all the mess, great things do get done here, and many of them get exported very successfully across the world. We hold ourselves to a very high first world standards here in South Africa. That's a great thing, of course, but it does mean that the overwhelming voice coming out of our minority political parties, our previously advantaged classes, and our most established press organs is constantly and vigilantly, and it must be said justifiably, on the lookout for even the slightest hint of systemic corruption or mismanagement. I don't want to be misunderstood. I think this hypervigilance is awesome as a force for good. And it has no doubt been amazing for our country. We would be far worse off without it. But that doesn't mean that this type of news flow and content isn't simply depressing. It does little to engender any hope or to inspire. It may even be fueling a lot of the mistrust between polarized cultures we see in our country. Which is something we need to get beyond as we slowly but inevitably break down the now more than century-old one-sided political dominance in South Africa and create opportunities for new productive alliances to form. Personally, I also think this flavor of hyper-vigilant content causes people who, if they had a full and balanced perspective and who would otherwise invest, to disinvest and often leave entirely. That's inappropriate and it's sad. We want you to stay, to come, to come back, to commit we think it's going to be worth it. So from this perch at Latitude, we want to authentically uncover and present to you the awesome bits of South Africa that remain bankable. With each episode, we'll bring you an influential or interesting person who believes in the country and who, like us, is working to do impactful things in it, around it, and with it. Not only will the general listener learn something new and hopefully interesting, but for those in search of hope, inspiration or opportunity, and for those that can hear it, we aim to identify a tangible takeaway from each conversation that feeds into the idea that South Africa Incorporated is still bankable. On that note, today's conversation is with Michael Weiss. Michael is a dynamic German entrepreneur, investor and connector who, through his organization Kounder, is fast becoming a pivotal player in Cape Town's nascent startup ecosystem. Michael is building bridges. Michael is investing successfully in local talent and businesses and is connecting his portfolio companies and others to smart capital in Europe. He's also bringing people together here in SA and doing his bit to kick up the dust of the primordial soup that is our startup ecosystem in Cape Town. I chose Michal for this episode to get a fresh outside perspective. If smart money from Europe is banking on South Africa and doing it successfully, we should look up and we should take note. I enjoyed this conversation thoroughly. In it, we cover a range of topics related to the entrepreneurial ecosystem in South Africa. Michal provides a very interesting perspective on the age and trajectory of our startup scene. 
comparing it to others he experienced in Europe just before they really took off. It will suffice to say that the overall message is a good one. I hope you enjoy it. On a side note, you'll hear a mysterious female voice from time to time during the conversation. This is the voice of a mutual friend who introduced us and joined for the recording. She will remain anonymous, but do enjoy the gentle tones of her sweet soul. And now I bring you Michal Weiss. Michal Weiss, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for, for having me. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. And like, it's my first audio-only podcast experience. So it's also a first one for me. So excited and I hope we'll get something out of it. Yeah, it's great. Thanks so much for coming. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about Kanda? Sure. So, I mean, to talk about Kanda, I think I I need to jump a little bit back in time and uh, speak about how it all all started, you know. And especially, I mean, Kanda is is really what it has become these days is is the representation of the philosophy that the entire team kind of brings to the table. And, you know, I was just very lucky to be the initial driver of it. And now it's like taking its own kind of journey and everyone is contributing and making it their own mission and, and shaping it in their own ways. I was always fascinated by emerging markets, really. When I, when I graduated from, from high school in Germany, I left for South America. There was an organization called Musicians Without Borders. And they um, gave the platform for me to to go to South America, to live with a host family that site, and um, yeah, just to to experience a different culture, different context, and do something that I really loved was like do something with music. So we were raising funds to build music schools, teaching music that site, and I learned so much about you know not having a lot of money, but still like a dedicated team to implement things. And of course, like saw a completely different environment, uh, and, like South, Amer- South America and the emerging market space of this. I lived in a township in, in Ecuador and I just had this like experience of, you know, welcoming, heartwarming people who were really just amazing hosts and, and open up their doors for us. And um, yeah, just taught us about what was happening locally. And in, in the township, I just saw a lot of like, trade and buzz and everything was happening and uh, I was like fascinated because the way I was raised um, emerging markets third world countries as, as we would call them they were just described to me like oh it's like just poverty and poverty is bad and like you know these people barely survive and um, well being there actually I was taught differently and I think this is something now that, you know, since having moved to Africa and like starting Calendar, uh, realizing that also the, especially the narrative around things, once you're experiencing them on the ground, are often different than from what you're necessarily taught or told by media or, or your peers. So after South America, did a quick, a, a little bit of a stint in, in, starting companies, uh, investing in businesses with a family office, and um, traveled a bit around Scandinavia, Spain, and then back to Germany. And as fulfilling that experience of starting businesses, looking for funding and like working with the family office was, mm. I was always feeling like, oh, I need to 
get back out there again, like get back into the world and, um, you know, experience this fascination of emerging markets that I had like right after high school in South America. So Africa was always on the map. Like I said, one day I'm going to go to Africa and do something there. And uh, so 2018, I kind of felt like, okay, now's the time. It's, it's, I've seen enough. I've done enough the site uh, of the world. I'm going to South Africa. Uh, so I said to my two co-founders, um, guys, why don't we, why don't we do something on the complete other side of the world? And uh, they said, yeah, why not? Um, and that was also the really early days of like more and more adapted remote works. So I said, look, even if we do some projects uh, for Germany, I can still do them from South Africa, which I chose as the country in Cape Town in particular because I heard Cape Town, the gateway into Africa. It's like, you know, it will not directly shock you in terms of culture coming from Germany. You will have a network, things are established and the startup ecosystem is starting. Um, so I said, okay, I'm going there and we'll find some some business for us. And that is really how the entire story started. So we just said, look, I'm going and uh, everything else kind of developed after. So we, we were then very lucky to, to found Zeon and, and, and meet uh, Finn Plotz, the, the founder of Zeon, who funny enough, grew up in the same village in Germany, Glückstadt translates to lucky town. Um, so grew up in the same village as I did. And I knew throughout the startup work that we'd been doing before, and he was doing that, that he actually had just moved to South Africa as well, Cape Town, to, to build his business. So I reached out to him on Facebook. Yeah, Finn, you know, um, we went to the same high school. Do you remember? And it's so cool what you're doing in the startup space. And I've heard you are in Cape Town. What's happening that site? And, uh, well, he told me about, you know, how amazing that ecosystem actually was for him at the time. This is now we're talking 2018. Mm. And uh, told me about what they were building with Xeon. And then long story short, we actually found that quite compelling and exciting and uh, invested in, in, into the business. And as part of the deal, I, I joined uh, the management team of Zeon as, as COO. And we had found our first kind of project in like Lighthouse Venture for, for, for Counter. So that was really the proof of concept and entry into the market. I said, okay, wow, I'm going there and I've already got something to do. And um, we went, went on since then, yeah. Tell us a little bit about what Zeon is. What is uh, that your lighthouse project? Are yeah. you interested to know more about that? Sure. So Zeon back then wanted to really address the issue of uh, crime in, in, in public. That obviously was a big South African topic. And Finn had experienced, you know, South Africa before as he spent a year in high school uh, in, in, in South Africa. And... Um, had then realized, you know, that he couldn't go and roam around as freely as he could in, in, in Germany, like after hours, he couldn't just walk outside and meet his friends. And that reminded him, you know, then like when, when we were picking the, the entry mm. country for, uh, for Zeon, because they wanted to build a panic button and an, an Uber model, right? Bring on all the security companies on a, on a, on a platform. And then you press a panic button and the closest vehicle will just come and get you out of trouble. Cool. And that was a fascinating idea. And in South Africa, we know the private security industry is, is massive. I think mm. these day, today we have got four, five, 500,000 private security officers 
which is larger than the police force, which, which for us always was like mind blowing because in, in, in Germany, you barely ever see any private security vehicle cause like events and, and stuff. Well, some people say that's our private police force, basically. Yeah. yeah. So, and then we said, okay, there, there should be then a good entry market. I mean, based on the Gini coefficient index, you have got the highest, you know, one of the highest gaps in the world between like, um, wealth and, and, and poverty. And that is always uh, in, in direct relation with the crime rate. And uh, so we, we went onto this journey together, started out as a making a panic button and building a platform and have since actually pivoted because we realized a complete different need in the market that was not necessarily, um, you know, on the consumer side where we really struggled actually finding product market fit, selling a subscription of, for something like security that you expect that it's actually a public service provider, you know, the police or, you know, the, the security companies should make sure that in public stuff is not, is not happening. And now I need to pay, pay for it personally. That was always something that we were struggling with in terms of scaling that, that business. Yeah. But what we saw is that the software that, that we had built just to run that platform was already much more advanced as what we were seeing in all the security control rooms mm. uh, who were then using our software to dispatching to all the geo GPS locations. And they said, wow, we didn't even focus on these guys, but we've built software that uh, could actually really help them to run their entire business. So we pivoted and uh, are now, I would say in like in Africa, the, the leading uh, operating system provider for uh, private security companies. And they can literally run the entire operations from managing vehicles, managing all incoming alarm signals in the cloud, but also integrating all other digital needs that uh, a security business has from like automated debit order runs yeah. for the payments, um, managing the technicians with another suite. So we, we are the, the, the core piece of the security business in the cloud and, and offer um, other software partners and providers to tap into that value chain and that ecosystem. Uh, so Sion is a B2B SaaS com enterprise SaaS company, really focusing like think legacy systems like uh, SAP, um, for example, but for, for that private security industry. That's amazing. So you've done really well. And you referred to that as your lighthouse project for Kanda. So Kanda, I mean, you are here and you, your stated aim at Kanda is to bridge the gap between Europe and, and South Africa. Talk to us about how you're doing that and maybe, maybe you can do that with Zeon as a reference point and like how that is your lighthouse project for building that bridge. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, so when, when Finn and I and, 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 and Niels, our co-founder who, who's based out of Hamburg, started launching that, that business and navigating the pivot, etc. Of course, I was a founder, part of the founding ecosystem of, of Cape Town. And that for me was an incredible learning experience and the eye opener. So having built businesses before in, in, in Europe and worked on the investment side, uh, I obviously got to know that ecosystem, the trends, the ways it, it, it was working. And then I came down here and had the yet another founding experience with, with Zeon and just saw like all the other founders on the ground who were building tech, who were trying to solve local issues, problems. And um, I was like fascinated by it. Like living the experience of being a founder here and um, being in the founding community 
just excited me more and more by the day because I was like, oh my God, there's so many opportunities, you know, so we, we can build Zeon here and we, we, we scaled that successfully. But I always had in mind, you know, one day, um, you know, when we really make sure that this works, we've got like a, a really good aspect of credibility showing that we can build mm -hmm. something successful mm -hmm. between Europe and Africa. But that definitely can be replica replicated and, you know, implemented multiple times in a different angle because I, I was then chatting to all the founders, what, what Finn and the, lo the local ones, right? Then what Finn and I, of course, we are different because we had set up the, the holding entity in, in, in Europe. We are raising funds from Europe and like brought it down into the operating entity in, in, in South Africa. So all the founders always ask me, well, like, how is it working with European investors and how do you do it? And like, so, well, like, this is the idea. It's like, we would just like, we would be doing so well if we only had the access to the capital that you have. And I was like, I 100% believe that. Like the idea is what I've seen here in, in, in that time. And also, of course, what I'm seeing now, there's so many things that would have gotten funding long, long, long time ago in, in, in Europe. Here, the founders, they're just like struggling to, to, to raise that. Right. Why? Why can't they get funding for such great opportunities? Are we, do we, are the local funders don't have the vision or don't have the risk appetite? Or the networks. Or, yeah, or the cash. Did, yeah. In the beginning, so I think my opinion around this has, has changed a little bit over the years. So in the beginning, like I always thought like, well, it's, it's, it's a cash issue. And I do still believe there's too little cash, um, you know, especially in, in, in the angel capacity. But I also think... Yeah, in SA. In SA, yeah. yeah that's deployed. But actually, like having now been like part of the community and like having switched sites now and like more like doing mostly in, in investments and like supporting on fundraisers um i mean i meet a lot of business angels in in south africa who are actually very willing to invest and so the cash is there but they say they don't get any good deals so even though as a founder i always thought it's a cash issue now, having met a lot of angel investors in South Africa, I said, no, I've got cash. I want to invest, but I don't meet the, the founders. So it's probably much rather than, like, than it is a cash issue. It is the issue of the founders meeting the investors. So it's an ecosystem issue rather than a cash issue. And what do I mean by that? Um, we, have, we, we need like these platforms like incubators, like local tech hubs such as Innovation City or what you're doing here at Latitude. It's like a physical space where these founders and investors can actually come together and, and meet and talk to each other. Mm. And this is one thing that I've seen like over the last couple of years. It's like, why, why is no one talking to each other? Why, why can, how, can, how can it be that I meet a lot of angel investors who are telling me, well, you know, deal fly just don't find attractive deals. On the other hand, I meet like super cool founders on a day-to-day -day basis who are telling me like I can't find the cash. So why is it different for you? I was on the ground. I was on the ground building a tech company and then of course had my other peers and, and founders, you know, so that is, they, and, and this is what you see oftentimes, you know, founders hang out with founders and not necessarily investors and investors hang out with investors and not enough with founders. I do believe there's enough cash available. I just don't think that it yet is finding the right ways and it's it's not been matched appropriately with the funders. Yeah.
So I think it's kind of like there's an ecosystem and maybe even a marketplace element to it. Because, yeah, so I was thinking about this. I've been thinking about this for some time. I subscribe to these deal databases and these guys are out there trying to get, trying to delineate the deals that have happened in the startup space in Africa. And you can see that they, I know about a lot of deals that are happening that never show up on those dat on that database. Mm. And they are big deals, right? And so it's happening between sort of buddy-buddy networks and guys that are sort of, so there's, the, the ecosystem isn't mature enough where everyone is coming together in some way, either in a digital way or a marketplace kind of way. Kind of reminds me of a primitive B2B supply chain where you actually can't go online and find everything you need, all, even though they're common ingredients, right? There's just no shop. There's no marketplace. Guys have no standard way of being introduced. And I think this is hugely inefficient. There's a lot of capital that never gets unlocked. And that's a big problem in South Africa is that that precedes how does an entrepreneur who can't get traction because they don't have cash get out of the woods to be noticed by a seed and a and beyond a more a more established funder, right? That's no, and I think this is where where a really good functioning startup ecosystem from, you know, it starts with academia, uh, goes then through incubators, accelerators, and physical hubs. You know, can really help. And we've seen this all over the world. You know, in the in the in the top places, from you know the the Valley, um, Stockholm, Berlin, you know, Amsterdam, like the great European startup hubs. You know, they all have this physical aspect and a really healthy and functioning startup ecosystem that that is unlocking a lot for for early stage founders but also for investors and all the ecosystem players alike so what what other point that i wanted to mention is i think i mean looking at the age of our ecosystem here right i mean venture capital in south africa how old is it really i mean there's some funds you know who are still in their first vintage so maybe 10 15 years um you know actually i'm not talking private equity in the beginning it's like i'm talking actual venture venture capital so it's still quite uh, quite young the site and angels as such i mean i can also understand like the appetite for appetite for tech is also, you know, only like really increasing at this point, you know, because we need to see the success stories to believe. And I mean, if you had like excess of like two, three million rand laying around and you were to choose, well, this is this risky tech market or I could put the money in property, what, what would you do? You would probably, and this is what we see all across Africa, like a lot of business angels who would have the money for tech, they also, they probably started rather putting it into property because they and as I said earlier, don't meet the deals or don't actually meet the founders. So there's this disconnect in, in, in the ecosystem. Yeah. And that obviously got to change. So to the point of the first question, the capital is there. As a founder, I always thought it wasn't. Um, and the, the investors don't think the deals are there and they put the money in property. So I think this is what we really got to focus on as, as ecosystem builders, contributors, investors. To, to change and, and, and shape, to, to leap forward this, this place. Open up those networks. Mm. Which is exactly what you're doing at Kanda. Pretty much. I mean, and not, not to the point, right? I was, I was seeing all this yeah. and realizing it, being the founder, investor, talking to business angels. And then actually I saw, uh, like our first idea then was, was like, okay, how, 
how do we solve this this gap, right? How we do how do we bridge this gap that there are investors who are looking for deals and that there are uh, founders, great founders who are looking for investment and can't find it. So we thought, okay, let's build a matchmaking platform. I think in hindsight, actually, that that didn't work out, and uh, I would now do it completely differently because in at the moment we thought like, okay. No, let's build this matchmaking platform. We bring 2,000 investors from Europe on there and have the best deals from Africa and everyone can automatically trade the deals through an app. And like we have got beautiful data rooms. So we built software and actually, so from the an, an investment and advisory kind of angle, we turned into a tech company uh, ourselves because the partners, everyone of us loves tech, you know, mm. but we didn't, I didn't never really see us as a tech company. So we were building this and we had like internal like, like ownership and then also raised actually quite a bit of money to, to build this. I think we invested probably around um, two, two and a half million just in rent in, in, in building this, this platform and also got great interest from investors to build it. I eventually found myself in, in, in this position where people asked me, but so now you're COO at Xeon. And you are like CEO at Count and building this matchmaking. But what am I investing in? Like who's running this? Yes. So that was one thing. And we also saw like, well, it's actually quite a big task to build such a massive platform, you know, and like it's it's literally like trying to take the last step of the race, mm. um, you know, walking over the finish line without doing your homework and the training beforehand. Because in hindsight, thinking I had like two, three, two, three million rand laying around. I could have done like five angel investments with 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 that that probably would have contributed more than like you know the, we we started with the end picture yes. instead of focusing on the beginning and that which was a great learning um I mean of its own you know like also like figuring out what is the focus at Counter and where where are we best at where's the team best at and so that was the biggest realization no we can focus on actually let's let's rather make deals and help making deals in a small scale to two, three, four, five deals. We don't need to do 200 or 2,000, you know, yeah. to have an impact and, and change the ecosystem. Yeah, totally. And I was wondering, so, I mean, you guys are Europeans coming, doing great things in SA, starting businesses, investing in them, convincing European capital to come to South Africa. I mean, there's quite a lot in there, but I'm, I'm interested in, in two angles, really. The one is, is it, how much of it is going the other way? Like how many South African creators are here building things that have, uh, that are scalable internationally? Um, is that happening? Are we building stuff that's of not only attractive to European investors, but European markets? Like, can we do it the other way? Is our talent good enough for that? Definitely. And I would advise to all the founders who, who'd be li listening to this now to start focusing your business and building an international story for for your business because this will be the only way like I, I i think especially when it when it goes to later rounds in the in the institutional capacity that you will be really relevant um for for these investors because you always have to make sure that you generate returns and you can only do that if you grow the business in a certain way and especially i mean Direct to consumer looking, for example, D2C in, in, in South Africa is just way too small and difficult to grow traction and then scale into something sizable that, that will generate returns. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, like I really believe in, in, in the South African talent, else we wouldn't be doing what we're doing, um, you know, and their capability to completely compete with 
international tech companies in particular. And then like when you start thinking international from the get-go, you actually as a South African entrepreneur or African entrepreneur, you, you have an advantage because you have got a much better local cost base than any other of your competitors in, in, in Europe, especially in the developer realm. What about the sales side of that discussion? So I was, uh, I was on a pitch um, <laughs> a couple of days ago, and these guys are American guys, and they've come here to create a product, but it's pre-seed. It's basically just an idea. And they've raised a million dollars in, in pre-seed capital. They're going to put something in SA. And I was watching them do this pitch, and they literally know nothing about this market. And I happen to know a little bit about the industry. So they've just seen a couple of, they've convinced themselves it's going to work based on the information they already have, but they haven't hit the ground and they don't know the market well enough. And there are little nuances there that they're going to trip up early on. So I've reached out to them just to ward them off because I know it's just the right thing to do, but that's not always going to happen. And I think it's, it's interesting. How would South Africans, you know, we've got the engineering talent and the cost base is low, but can we know enough about what those European markets are like to get the product market fit right? No, I think this is where, where partnerships are extremely important, right? And this goes, goes both ways. From like the, the company that you're referring to now, I think they definitely should work with local talent. And this is something just uh, to, to give you some context here with Xeon as well. We have, um, you know, I would say 10% of the team sits in, in, in Germany. We've got our CTO, Neil, sitting there with two other developers. And then the rest of the team uh, sits uh, locally. And thereby, you know, we, we can really bridge like and enable knowledge transfer between the teams. But also, I mean, how if you're not on the ground and work with locals, are you going to understand the and navigate the market environment? Mm. And I think this is why you need to partner up with, um, with you know, entities, enablers, or just find local talent, being it in Europe or like in, in Africa, respectively, that, that you work with. And one thing that that I saw, like, and that also really drives me what we're doing with, with Counter is, I mean, we have this issue of like really, really good talent in South Africa um, who can build brilliant engineers, you know, great developers. And I was quite shocked speaking to them and them telling to me, you know, yeah, one, actually one day I just want to go to Europe. I want to leave South Africa because I don't, don't have hope here and like I don't get the opportunities, the salary, the potential, you know. And that's why I thought like, okay, what, for example, Xeon uh, and, and other like companies, you know, good local tech companies actually change that, right? Because now um, if you a South African entrepreneur, you build a tech company that has international ambitions. Um, so then you can very well enable that journey to Europe and back and forth, but the people do not have to leave uh, the country permanently to work for a big corporate or whatever overseas, you know. Yeah. And, and, and this is something that always excited me, you know, to, to have an opportunity to create jobs locally, but, you know, throw in that international ambition, you know, at the same time. And because if we do not manage to, to keep our talent in Cape Town or in South Africa, uh, they will run, like, run off overseas. It's just a pity because they could have a massive contribution here. So wouldn't it be great, right, if we can just 
get them working for companies that can go internationally so they but they don't have to leave um you know the uh, the home country to do that for a long term basis it's an awesome point it makes you feel kind of yeah, it makes me happy inside if we can find ways for talented people that love the country to stay and you know and and this is why i thought okay then what, what like how do you then like get talent to stay is okay if we build more companies here how do you build more companies well then twofold which we at the one point let's see how we can make sure that investors and, and startups speak more and uh, how do we make sure actually if there's a capital gap which which there is uh, especially in, in in early stage to get more capital in and this is basically what 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 Kanda is focusing on now um so we really engaged in getting the local and international community to talk to one another exchange thoughts you know i'm very very lucky and grateful to have built these incredible relationships with um you know so many local funds um you know but also our um international angel investors and and founders you know who are loving to you know being in cape town and like who love to meet the local ecosystem so and with counter now we we really trying to bring these people together being it by running e events uh, retreats exclusive dinners you know and just foster conversations you know with with ecosystem like builders shapers investors you know and i said earlier we have this unique opportunity to grow this pie here all together because there's so much potential and uh, why don't we just all start talking to one another and supporting one another in, in in order to grow this pie, to attract international investment, to get like local talent to stay, because now there is capital, there is opportunities, and you know, it's it's just like, for me, it's a little bit bizarre that that it it hasn't happened just yet to the to the degree it it could, and that would be maybe a question like now I've only been here for like five years, um, both of you have like seen the the context of the venture ecosystem like also before that. So I'd be very interested in knowing, like, what are your thoughts and what is holding us back or what has hold, been holding us back for the last 10 years plus? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think that, that I'm probably, possibly not the right person to ask because I haven't plugged myself into that ecosystem as much as I could have. Um, and I, you know, I know who the main players are, et cetera, but I don't spend a lot of time networking with them. I've basically had my head down building my own things uh, and then doing stuff privately. So outside of the ecosystem, I'm not, not essentially attempting to build it, although I know it's going places. So, I mean, maybe I'm not the right person to ask, but also I'm kind of interested, maybe this is just how it starts. Maybe these ecosystems, the talent is there. There's like a primordial soup of things. It's a great city. We've got great talent. We've got Europeans that love it. There is money. It's just hard to channel it correctly and make the matching happen well. But that all sounds like it's starting to happen. So maybe it's just a matter of time. Like the intention is all there. I think maybe, I don't know, I do get the sense that South African investors in the VC space are a bit... South African, like they're not um, conservative, worried about the future of the country, and not used to taking sort of early stage risk, although that does seem like it's happening 
a little more and more. So maybe it's going too slowly, but I don't know if it's headed in the wrong or the right direction. But it's also, I mean, let's start with the question, like, I mean, where's the, like, the biggest sources of money for South African, like, investors and VCs? Um, I think the sources of that money determine the risk that these investors are able to take. And then we are back to the ch chicken and the egg problem. Um, so you can raise funds and venture capital, uh, but you know your your LPs determine the level of risk you can take. So most of the funds initially are more later stage, and uh, you know you can only really invest post product market fit with certain traction elements. And now you've got a lot of like the young companies who would really need that funding, but they just can't give it to them because the risk profile is not. Uh, aligned with 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 the risks that they are allowed to take based on their mandate. Um, so we need uh, formalized pre-seed funds that have tapped into the angel network. Is that no, definitely. And I mean, you see, if you look at like Launch Africa Ventures is filling that kind of gap a little bit. And then, as I said, like accelerators, incubators working with, um, you know, closer with angel investors, I think, you know, and, and enabling these conversations. I think, you know, and, and this is where I would like to refer also to the success of international ecosystems. I, I am the biggest fan of, of, of Stockholm, you know, a city of 700,000 people, you know, responsible for like, it's like a unicorn factory, that site, yeah. you know, and, and it all started in like, I know a lot of Swedes who who have seen that happen, you know, that 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 era of of success for the startup ecosystem. And when they're in Cape Town, they're like, oh my God, it feels just um like before Stockholm was taking off, or just before like Berlin was taking off in the early two thousands, you know. Cool, and, that's good to hear. No, and and, and now like I'm like, okay, but then tell me like what 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 happened and what changed? They said, look, it's 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 a little bit of a timing thing, but also it it just needs that like one domino really to fall. And in Stockholm in particular, I would say that was uh, definitely big contributor was the remarkable success of, of a Spotify, you know, a uh, company that just takes off like crazy and becomes this like massive organization. And, um, you know, then people started looking around. It's like, well, I know the guys, I know the founders. Um, they, like, they're great guys, but also, I felt like not necessarily that they are the super geniuses, so maybe I can do it myself. And so Spotify started attracting a lot of talent to work for the company. Then that talent, you know, when they raise large rounds, secondaries, you know, a lot of people become very wealthy. What the, what do they do with the entrepreneurial build? They start reinvesting, they start launching new companies, and then, then it all starts to happen. And, you know, shortly after, you know, a Klarna follows the next, billion dollar company and like all the success story in, in, in one city. And my personal experience with Stockholm, and this is like, I've really like tried to, like I was so grateful for it and I tried bringing that, bringing that back to Cape Town. So I, um, we were having an intern uh, at, at Zeon um, and she was the daughter of a, a Swedish angel investor. And, you know, so I hadn't met him, uh, just, you know, his daughter with the, like doing an internship with, with us. And then, you know, one day he, he texted me, hey, it's so cool that, um, you know, you, you're having your daughter work with us. Um, there is this Swedish uh, entrepreneur in town uh, and I think you should meet him. 
So like one minute later, there's this WhatsApp group. Yeah, you know, um, Michael, Henrik, you are super entrepreneurs. I would like to you to you should set up a lunch. So I was like, oh wow, okay, set up the lunch. Um, you know, it, it was remarkable. It was, it, was, it was Henrik. If you listen to this, you know, I I'm I, I'm still to this day very excited about that lunch and what 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 happens over the over the years and the relationship that that we are able to build. Um, and then so met someone who was extremely successful and building ventures in, in in Nairobi from Sweden and, you know, had listed a company. And there's me as an early, in my early 20s, um, you know, meeting that, uh, that that's great founder. And just because someone had made an introduction, you know, uh, and and like I I looked up to the guy and I was like, but I'm having dinner with uh, lunch with this guy. And he said, actually doesn't even know who I am, had never met me before, but he's taking the time. So that's the one part of the story. Then a couple of months later, so I still hadn't met the the father in person of the uh, the girl who'd made the internship. So I said to him, look, I'm in Stockholm, you know, really appreciated what you what you did the other day with the intro. And then he, his name is Lars Bergström. Um, he said to me, you know what? Um, it's great. I can take half a day off and introduce you to some people. So he then took half a day off, not never having met me in person, Amazing. and introduced me to like two or three funds and a, and a top star entrepreneur in the Stockholm ecosystem. And they was like, you know, you need to meet these guys as an entrepreneur. He's doing something in Africa. Tell them what you're doing. Maybe it's interesting and like maybe they can open some doors. And then I was like, wow, like that seems to be a thing here that, you know, people open up doors for, for one another and support each other. And uh, I had never experienced that before. And I, so I came back to Cape Town and I said, you know what, maybe this is a little bit of the secret sauce that the Swedes are brewing up there. And like, funny enough, you know, there are so many Swedes in Cape Town and, you know, Innovation City as an entity is started by a Swede, Stefan Ekberg, founder of Travel Star, so yes. also a great entrepreneurial success story who had seen it. And so I thought if that could be the secret sauce of the ecosystem, it's just connecting the people and uh, seeing and looking for value. And this really, I wanted to incorporate that in like my day to day and also in the, into the philosophy of Kaunda. And since that day, it was maybe sometime in, in 2019, I, I really started just doing exactly that. Yeah. Always thinking about, is there someone I can connect this person with? Is there someone I can connect this founder with, um, that, that will help them and, and not expecting anything in return. And well, we'll see how the Cape Town ecosystem will developing in the future. Uh, but if everyone would just do a little bit of that, I think uh, we can really reproduce the something like like happened in Stockholm and Berlin. And that is something you know I just wanted to share that yeah. had really resonated with me. And it's it's very easy and obvious. I mean, it doesn't hurt anyone if you meet an entrepreneur. Why don't you take the time and drop a message to someone you know that 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 who could help this person? That's amazing. I mean, I, I, I can hear the passion in your voice and it really is cool to hear those things. Like you need a shining light and it's almost, the analogy is almost like an economy. You know, as soon as there is belief that it can work and a bit of confidence, people start opening more doors and things flow around, value flows around and it starts to happen from there. South Africa, it's like one of these markets where it's kind of like a Petri dish, right? You got to, if you test it and it works here, 
you almost don't get noticed. Like if you've got an international idea, you can come and test it. Yeah, it's a real market, but you reach the ceiling quite quickly if you're successful. And then you can go overseas. No one's really watched what you're doing. I wonder how much longer that'll last. Like I think it's a big advantage for people that want to test the market. You know, there's a massive insurance company in, in, in Germany called Hannover Rick. And I think, don't, don't quote me on this, but I think since the 80s or 90s, They've got, a, got an innovation arm here in South Africa. Since the 80s or 90s, they've been testing innovation solutions in the insurance space in the local South African market before bringing them into Germany and Europe. Oh, wow. And um, what I've seen, like, for example, Zeon, we could not have built in Germany just because South Africa is a little bit like the Wild West and makes it much easier that you don't have to drown in regulations before you can implement something. And um, that, I think, what, what inspired me or inspires me the most in like, being an entrepreneur and investor in South Africa is that. I mean, yes, we have got a lot of issues and infrastructure holding us back, load shedding, you name it. But... We've got also this freedom of like just doing what you want. You know, one of our portfolio companies, they they now building the largest alternative dairy manufacturing plant on the entire continent. And that started by them, the two founders, being together in their mother's kitchen, punching together oat milk and stirring it like oats and cooking them and stirring it for three hours. Um, you know, 18 months later, they bootstrapped a factory in Woodstock and are sold in over 250 local cafes and, and you know, like selling thousands of liters of oat milk in Cape Town alone. I can tell you, a story like that would have never, ever happened in Germany or elsewhere because you like, oh, no regulations here and you can't just do a factory and this and that. And yes. this is, for me, representative for the innovation potential that you can still implement here in South Africa. Zeon, I remember, my mm. first day in South Africa. Um, so Finn picks me up from the airport that evening and said, like, you know, here's the, your welcome package we launched tomorrow. So the next day, we walk into um, the, you know, head office of the police uh, here in, in, in Cape Town. We just walk in. We walk in and then we sit at the annual security conference, like nobody knew. We just walk in. No, we said like, no, we're German entrepreneurs. We're in this safety space. And everyone's like, okay, walk in. And then we were there. Like, it was funny. And then, the, the, you know, like, was, I don't remember his name. We, Finn and I were joking about it. Sheriff Johnson or whatever his name was, like talking about like, you know, that, that was my first 12 hours in South Africa. I'm sitting next to the police minister or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like not, it wasn't uh, Mbeki Ele or whatever. His name is not him, but like on, from a local police uh, perspective, it's just crazy what you can do here still. It's the Wild West, but the Wild West uh, offers you like nobody is asking you questions if you do something like crazy as an entrepreneur. And we need the space to drive innovation. And that's why I'm so fed up and frustrated with Germany. Like Because before as an entrepreneur, you even do something like you need to you drowning in paper. I remember registering in business in Germany. Um, so one of the first companies that we started was a was an e-commerce, and like I was retailing uh, nutrition brands. We had everything like signed up. Now I I had to put in an order from a supplier, right? Hey, this is like this is the product that I want to buy in retail. 
I've got the money, I've got everything ready. And then they said, well, we need your uh, VAT number to process the order. And I said, well, I, I registered the business, but it, they, they said to me, well, this can take up to like between six to eight weeks until you get your VAT number from the authorities, which meant for like a, you launch a business and for six to eight weeks, you can't buy anything from any suppliers because you don't have a VAT number. Yeah. So here I would go, um, you know, let me drive up there. Let me pay them in cash and load this stuff up, up into my bucky and like now I've got the, 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 the stock. Yes. And this is just representative for a lot of examples. Now think tech and regulations and data. Like, yes, it's important to have like some, some regulations in place, but it kills innovation. Yeah, for me, yeah, yeah. South Africa is a breeding ground for innovation because it's Wild West, because you can still do things you know, and this is so important and we should all appreciate that, you know, because it, in the rest of the world, this is not a given. And this is why there are so many unique opportunities that we can obtain here. And this is why I'm so excited to be in this place and to, to, to be able to invest, to work with the founders, because it, for me, it is also just obvious what will happen. You know, it, we are like definitely heading towards this Stockholm Berlin trajectories. And, you know, we have the, the top of the top, I mean, Hans Otterling, um, you know, is the first investor in Spotify. He runs a $200 million fund called Norskin 22, focusing on Africa. And he says, this is going to happen. Yes. You know, so knowing that, you know, that the big boys believe in this, that excites me. And this is the unique op window of opportunity that we now have. Okay. Mm. You, you got to be a little bit optimistic, but you know, for me, like having, you know, the buy-in of people who have seen the success of other industries and are saying like, no, this is very similar. It will happen here. Okay. Then let me double down on the work that we are doing because I want to ride that wave, you know, that is building up. How do you, how do you see that? Cause internationally the lines are getting a little bit blurred between your portfolio picking VC and a venture builder, right? So your, your limited partner layer stays the same, but your managing partner layer they're starting to get involved and actually build businesses and you're doing that. You're raising capital and building businesses. What do you, I mean, that, and that's happening in the VC space internationally. Do you think, how does that intersect in South Africa? Do you think it's going to influence our ecosystem, that sort of gray area between builder investor? Yes, definitely. I mean, we, we're seeing this a lot. You probably know of uh, the Delta and th those guys, you know, funny enough, a story, success story between Europe and Africa, Germany and South Africa in particular, got a remarkable growth journey. I think about three, four years ago, there were 30 people. Um, you know, we have got great companies who can help with access to international capital and markets. Um, but what we don't have is that they all speak together. Yeah. Huh. And I wonder if there's money in that, in like trying to formalize the network somehow. Or like just go and research. I'm so interested to see how to how it gets done like how do you yeah go for yeah it. that is a question that i was of course i mean this is what we do and i do think there's uh, there's money in that um because obviously and for us i think the the, the big opportunity in, in like where do we make money is um in you know navigating and of course like trying to establish partnerships across uh, the value chain uh, then there's an, an obvious advantage for for our portfolio companies, 
So, and, and that being said, you know, even like if I write an angel check or, or whatsoever, I leverage that partnership relationship with the entire ecosystem um, to get favorable deal terms. Yes. And that at the end, you know, there, there's money in that, you know, having equity uh, or decent stake of equity uh, early on in, in, in a company that you can pass onto the value chain because you have uh, established these relationships. And at the end of the day, everyone is winning because, you know, m our founders are excited because they literally from, you know, uh, having built support because we're working with a, with a venture builder to like, you know, getting that pre-seed round because we've established a relationship with a, with a pre-seed or seed fund. From then passing that on to a later stage uh, fund, you know, because they know, okay, guys, once you hit this kind of traction, you know, we're happy to, to continue. And then to, to the grand finale, like, you know, these are the guys who are going to sell your company because we're working with later stage advisors. Um, you know, so we, we don't have to do everything ourselves, but we establish partners, uh, who, who are really, you know, happy because everyone is happy that they all good get, get good deals. Yeah. And I think, you know, then we back to the point of just creating value and growing the pie, uh, together. And of course I'm happy because I get favorable conditions and my startups, you know, have like a, like a springboard, you know, uh, up, uh, up the value chain. Amazing. Smart. I hope that, that, and I invite more and more people to do it because I really, like, I, I mean why I'm saying, like, well, let's grow the pie uh, together. You know, let's get the, the Spotify of, of Cape Town. Let's make it happen. And then we will see, I mean, imagine a company, you, you know, that grows from like, you know, a, a two digit million valuation uh, to a two digit billion valuation in dollars what that can do for one city, for the ecosystem. And shouldn't we all just like try to put our heads together and see how we, how can we create something like this here? Absolutely. It'd be incredible. I mean, I, the, the thing that stuck out to me from this conversation so far is that the Spotify of, uh, of Cape Town is what we need. Hey? It's going to come. It's just a matter of time, I think. The people are trying, the creativity is there. Eventually something's going to hit. I was listening to a podcast by Mark Andreessen the other day, an A16Z podcast, and he, he just dropped this little note in the podcast. It was about something else, but he said, I just come out of a meeting and I saw something that's going to change the world. I'm so excited. And then he goes on with the podcast. And I just thought to myself, what is that, Mark? Tell me. And, it, you know, it's, we, need our, we need a moment like that, right, in Cape Town. Hopefully that kind of stuff happens. Michael, that was great. Eh? Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure.